Hello and welcome to another episode of 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the podcast that tackles your freelance challenges one episode at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Katie Carlisle, and I run a Squarespace web design and training business under the brand of Squarespace Queen. And my name's Michelle Pratt, owner of Dive Deeper Development, and I'm a personal development trainer and coach. And the topic of our episode today is all about the challenge of trying to figure everything out yourself when you're a freelancer. So we've talked in the past about having to wear lots of different hats. And one of the parts of being freelancing that's quite a challenge is when you've got a problem or if you're struggling with something, it's really hard when you're trying to figure it out yourself. But actually just because you're in business on your own doesn't mean you have to do that. You don't have to figure everything out yourself. So in this episode, we're going to talk about how to get some outside help in a way that can help you to get unstuck and figure out problems. And so this isn't an advert for Michelle, but we are going to be talking about coaching. And actually, interestingly, Michelle, you've just started working with your own coach, even though you're a coach. So why did you feel that you would benefit from coaching, even though obviously you're a coach yourself? Yeah, that's a really good question, Katie. So yeah, I'm a coach and sometimes people say, well, if you're a coach, surely you know what to do. And it's true. Um, like a lot of people listening to this podcast, I yes, I'm intelligent. I've got the skills. I run a business. I, I, I know what I should be doing. And I even know some great exercises or activities for figuring stuff out. But I think the problem is that sometimes you can't, even though you know what you're doing, you get stuck inside your own head. So I've had a challenge with my business, which I've been probably been carrying around with me, prob- well, well, probably been going on about it for some degree for a year or two but certainly in the last six months it's been a real problem and I just spent about six months bashing my head against a brick wall thinking how do I solve this business issue I tried coaching myself I tried doing some of the activities and you know I even took my business challenge along to some of my networking groups and CPD sessions with fellow coaches and mentors and while I was making slow incremental progress I wasn't actually getting the whole thing sorted as so I got sick of myself eventually and thought I can't solve this alone it's clear if it's dragged on this long I don't want to feel stuck anymore I'm going to get some outside help and so I'm very fortunate to know a good uh, load of trainers or coaches or psychologists as well actually and I thought yeah I, I need to find someone in this group who could who I can pay with to work so not just in this let's do our, our, our you know our peer-to-peer mentoring or coaching thing I actually want to pay someone to work with me as an individual and we have time aside where we work on nothing but my problem and I want to pay somebody to challenge me and to push me and to spot me and my own bullshit really Katie so you could call out my when I'm making excuses for myself and that's very hard to do on your own so I think because the problem dragged on that's how I knew I needed someone someone else to give me a little bit of a friendly nudge and I imagine Katie it's the same for you I mean you you've talked about coaching we've done before what is it that made you reach out for a coach because you've run your business for a few years now yeah and I guess I've had coaching with you for quite a a number of those years actually. Um, I think to start with, I didn't even, when I first started my business, I wasn't even aware of the concept of a business coach, I don't think. Um, I don't think I'd ever, I'd have never met one, they were an exotic species. And so I think at first I didn't really understand what the benefits would be, but then sort of chatting to you, Michelle, and then, you know, the meeting other business coaches through freelancing events and stuff. I think I started to realise that it would be really helpful to have that 
external perspective on my business and actually even just the kind of accountability not in terms necessarily just of getting tasks done but somebody that I knew like you were saying would call you out Michelle like like somebody that would hold me accountable for what I'm saying I want to do and then how I'm actually going to do it and someone that could say well you you're saying this is what you want to achieve but your actions aren't consistent with that so that was one part of it another part of it was actually just because I was making some changes to the business and I think you know in your first couple of years of freelancing or certainly for me it was just that constant like like almost kind of amazement that I was still in business like (laughs) that that was kind of my experience for the first couple of years was like oh this this is working hey cool this this is still working okay so the first couple of years I was quite reactive and I was just sort of like really happy that I was getting any business at all and so then I wanted to be a bit more strategic and I tried having little strategy days by myself and I'd got some you know some kind of good results out of that in terms of coming up with new ideas or new perspectives but I think I felt like I needed somebody to guide me through the process a bit more who was more of an expert and who could ask the questions I wouldn't even think to ask myself. And so that was where it was really helpful having coaching with you, Michelle. And actually what I wanted to make sure I was doing, and this one of the reasons that I think I wanted to work with you was I, I knew that you focused on the bigger picture as well. And so it wasn't just a case of me kind of coming along with a problem and going, oh, hey, I've got this thing, please help coach me through it it was actually taking that step back and kind of looking at how everything fits together, which I really liked as well. So yeah, it was that sort of external perspective, strategic support, certainly for me, um, but also like, yeah, kind of almost checking that I wasn't going down the wrong road for the wrong reasons. So yeah, making sure that everything I did had a purpose yeah and I, I mean we've talked about coaching here Katie but of course we should probably mention here that you know this what we're supposed we're alluding to in this podcast is it could be a coach of course it could be a mentor as well so you could choose more of a mentoring relationship it could be more you know setting up a small mastermind group or you when we say outside help it could be that actually maybe you know marketing but you want a very specialist kind of marketing it's about knowing to, to pick someone in your niche maybe that's just got that skills and expertise to help you get out your own head and see things that perhaps you can't see yourself just as Katie has described there as well so whatever that looks like for you that's the sort of thing we're, we're discussing here but I do think there's something to be said for having somebody who is just yours and so I think mastermind groups are really useful and you know chatting with your peers and your even friends and family and talking through problems with them is really helpful but I think like you were saying about you want someone you can pay to know that they are then going to be sort of dedicated to working through your problems with you and you don't feel guilty for asking them for help um, or taking up too much of their time because if you're paying for it then that's what you're entitled to so I think even though I mean mentoring is probably more often than not free but that's still somebody who's saying I am giving up my time I'm dedicating that to supporting you and so I think that's what I think sets coaching and mentoring apart from group activities or other kind of yeah group coaching things because it's hard sometimes if you know if you're 
if you're in a, a group session and there's somebody who, you know, has the loudest voice or has the biggest ego, it can, it, it's, you know, it's, it's quite hard to make sure that's facilitated well enough to make sure everyone gets a chance to say everything they want to do. And there isn't normally enough time to go into the depth of those problems that you might want to in a, that you'd be able to do in a one-to-one setting. Yeah, and I think you're right, Katie. There is something about that relationship. And I think I, I was on a co- coaching course once and they were talking about, you know, the relationship between a, a lawyer and their client. And you, you don't become the lawyer's client. You see it in the American movies. They pay one pound or one dollar <laughs> and all of a sudden this person magically becomes the client. And it's true because it's a very boundary, where it's mentoring or coaching, it's a very boundaried relationship and it's very formalized. So you have a set of ground rules and uh, you agree terms. So it's not like chatting with a mate and the thing is that your friends or family are going to be pretty sick of, of you if you tell them your problems all the time but also as you said Katie in those those networking groups or mastermind groups there is a bit of prid quo I can't say it Katie quid pro quid quo, quo. Uh, there's a bit of yeah you, you kind of like okay someone might spend like you might spend like 60 minutes on your problem this time but there is the expectation you spend 60 minutes with them next time but there is also something about when we rely on people in our networks or our friends or our family there is an issue there um about um well, I suppose where there's a relationship, there's something at stake. So if you draw upon someone in a networking group and you all go out for beers together or if you've got a good relationship, what if um, there is a challenge? You know, Will that person really challenge you? Will they really push you? And will they be honest with you? And even if you don't like them for it, um, because because it's what you need to hear. Now, some coaches and friends, obviously, Kate, I know you quite well, but we still set boundaries around that conversation, and I feel comfortable with that, and so do you. There are some people who I would not have that coaching relationship with if I thought that was going to be an issue, or I just didn't want to jeopardise the relationship. So, with that jeopardy, sometimes people in peer-to-peer groups or networking groups, you've got your professional face on. There is, you know, you haven't necessarily got that boundary, that space, which gives each of you permission. And even if you have permission, sometimes people don't want to do it. It's like you say, Katie, it's somebody who's just yours. They exist for no other purpose than to let you talk about your your challenges and just to indulge you and explore them. And they put their own agenda to one side and there is no other agenda. And that's a very special kind of space and like you say you don't feel guilty because you're paying them that's what that's what that's what we've agreed and I think that's really important I think it was Jerry Jerry Springer who said you know men don't pay prostitutes to have sex with them they pay them to leave afterwards and not that I want to compare coaching <laughs> to sex work not that there's anything wrong with sex work but it's almost like that you don't pay the coach to uh, just for their advice you can get that from other people you pay them so that, that when the coaching session is done you the, you know that that session is over and you walk away and carry on and that's kind of that's kind of it you could disagree and walk away and it will be fine and I think that's a good point because I think you've got the certain things that I probably talk to you about as a coach that I wouldn't necessarily talk to you about as a friend as just a friend you know and there's things that it kind of works both ways because like there's things that I'll talk to you about in in a coaching session and it's not that I I don't think there's anything that I've told you that's like oh this is in strictest confidence but it's just it it just probably just wouldn't come up in in a in in a conversation with you as a friend even if we're talking about freelancing and business because we're not setting it out with that very specific intention of you know the kind of parameters of a coaching session it's different to a chat yeah. in the pub I think it's got a different feeling but I also think it's actually been really beneficial working with you and being friends with you because 
you're able to bring in your wider knowledge of me. And like, there'll be times when you'll go, oh, remember that thing that I know that you did? And I'd be like, oh yeah, I forgot about it. And like, actually, you know that context and that wider information because of our friendship. But yeah, but that's not to say that you wouldn't have a good experience with a coach you weren't friends with. But for me, actually, it's been really like a bit of added value, I suppose, in that sense. Yeah. And, and there's questions I wouldn't ask you if I didn't have permission, you know, and, and so one of the things that coaches ask is, so how much can I challenge you? How much or how honest can I be? And without permission to do that or outside, you know, there's certain questions you can answer with in a, ask in a coaching conversation that are really challenging, which might get you a slap around the face if you were to be that blunt, you know, in a, in a networking event. So you wouldn't ask them. So you need permission. So I think that's that's key. And like you say, Katie, whether you work with someone you know or not is is something that each person has to consider. So the, the coach which I've worked I know from our social circle and as I say we've you know I know I know her quite well but um and we know a lot of the same people so that's just something we had a conversation around and actually because I know her quite well I know that she's got the right skills and expertise and she can refer to models or expertise or shared experiences and actually that would be useful but one of the things I I did discuss with her was actually well do you feel comfortable with that um because she might not want to work with someone she know has got to know over time as well so it's up to you whether you want to there are advantages and disadvantages to working with someone you know and again I don't think it matters too much as long as the boundaries are clear but if you're thinking about getting some outside help I do think consider that tension you know if you open up to someone or if they to challenge or push you and you don't you know they really get you outside your comfort zone would you feel comfortable still maintaining the networking or coffee and chat relationship with them afterwards or would it make it weird and I guess only you would know that but something to consider I think it was really interesting one of the words you used earlier because that really resonated with me you said uh, something about it being indulgent and or Mm. indulging you maybe I think you said and I thought that's really interesting because I think a lot of people do feel like it's an indulgence if they have a coach and it's that 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 kind of oh who am I to kind of have somebody to like whose job it is just to listen to me and help me you know um and I think that I think some people kind of have a bit feel a bit funny about it because they feel like oh you know is it is it too self-indulgent to have a coach and have somebody who I'm like paying to kind of listen to me think about things um but I think it's such a worthwhile investment in the business. And I think if you were in a workplace environment, you wouldn't think twice about having business advisors and support and things. Whereas I think there is that sort of reluctance as a freelancer to feel like, oh, I don't want to spend that money on myself sometimes. I don't know if you've ever come across that, Michelle. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So, I mean, I've been indulged that. I, I was thinking of sort of like along the lines of if you go to a mentor, like a, a networking event, and you end up taking up the airtime, people are indulging you. And we do that for each other sometimes in our networking groups. But you're right. I think sometimes to do that for yourself is crazy. And I was about to say the same thing is if you worked in a, in a corporate business, you would probably be given coaching whether you wanted it or not. Your manager would be told to do it. You would probably, if you asked for a mentor, no one would bat an eyelid. You know, someone would say, oh, yeah, let me pair you up with so-and-so and you wouldn't think twice yet when we become self-employed sometimes we, we we just don't even think of it you know we think about asking people at events but we wouldn't think about that one-to-one support that a line manager or a business coach or a, or a business mentor or buddy would, would would give um and yeah some people do it's interesting like in this country we we probably wouldn't think to do it interestingly in the, in the united states it can for some people it's seen as a status symbol you know like oh 
oh uh, all the biggest celebrities have a life coach or all the best sports stars have like a have a have a soccer coach or a, a personal trainer and actually it's seen as a status symbol whereas i think in the uk we don't so i do see people thinking about it as a cost as opposed to an investment um but again i think it's about investing in you and i suppose in the employment world other people would invest in you but actually when it comes to being responsible for your own training and development we don't necessarily we see it as an expense as opposed to an investment really i suppose is what yeah. i'm saying that's such a good i've never thought about it like that of that the difference between a cost and an investment i'm going to try and think about other things like that as well um not just to kind of go crazy with my spending but actually i'd never thought about it in that way and you can you can you can claim it on, on hrmc can't you katie i believe coaching is I, I, um I is a claim so. of tax yeah it's it's a business Mm. service so i would claim for it um i'm not an accountant but yeah i i think it's different what you can claim for limited companies and stuff um but yeah like i would i'd claim it as as support because you help me with things like marketing and stuff so like it's it's effectively a lot of it's probably with my marketing budget and stuff so um yeah Yeah. i would definitely i think i think of I think a lot of it depends on whether you um, claim it, Not we're not going to go into tax here, but I think it depends whether if you are getting coaching on something which directly helps the running of your business, I'm pretty sure yeah. you can claim it. Uh, that's why a lot of my clients ask for receipts, uh, branded receipts on the proper invoices and things. But actually, if it's obviously something that's not in the least bit related to your role, then of course, then you, you can't claim it so much. But yeah. Yeah, so and if you spend well. half the time talking about your personal life, and how it fits into your work stuff. You could always claim for half of it or something. Um, so just, I think, just like everything, just understand your rationale for claiming it. Well, look, we've talked about the difference between a mentor and a coach. So let's take a moment to think about what's the difference between the two. So when we say get specialists outside help, we've talked about coaches. Coaching is a broad term. So just to put that out there, there are business coaches who will, and even that is a broad term. So some people will literally... Um, have business coaches who 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 do technical stuff like putting together a business plan to take to a bank uh some people are business coaches in the more broad sense helping you work on your business as opposed to in your business um there are some people who are probably fall under life coach transformation coach marketing coach um so we're using the word coach that's a broad term we've also mentioned mentoring as well um when i run workshops on mentoring and coaching there's a massive it's a massive discussion in itself because they're very very broad terms in 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 a high level description i would say that a coach would be a professional that you would pay to help you with a challenge i would say they're an outside objective voice they won't usually give advice and they won't usually talk about themselves that much um and they'll be very skilled in coaching and helping draw the information from you, but they won't necessarily have an expertise in your field. Whereas I would say a mentor is quite often someone from your field of expertise or your industry who's much more experienced and further down the line of you. And now their point of their role is to share their knowledge and experiences to literally say, I've been there, I'm a little bit further down the road, let me tell you what I did or let me share what I've learned on this journey. So again, they shouldn't be giving, they shouldn't be pushing their view on you but they should uh, be able to answer technical questions um, and share and use their experience to inform yours. So quite often people take on these roles either as a pro bono thing to give back or as part of their own personal development. Um, it helps them grow and gives an extra dimension to their skill set as well. But those de- definitions are not set in stone. But um, just to give you an idea. So, for example, if you know someone from a networking group who is more experienced in your field than you, you rather than pay a coach, you could say, 
um, to that person, oh, I'm looking for a mentor. Would you be happy to take that role on? And some people, most people, I think, would be flattered to be asked. But then you have to agree what the boundaries are and uh, when you meet, for how long, what you will and won't discuss um, and what the limits are to that. But that's a very broad definition. Although that said, Katie, I think you were a mentor for the Business Growth Hub and your your definition of a mentor was slightly different yeah when I did it it wasn't you were actually deliberately not paired with somebody in your same field it was based on where you could add value in terms of your skills or knowledge in a different field so I think they tried to kind of prevent people from just staying within their own little like field bubble and so I think one of the people I worked with was an architect. The other person was a, um, they worked they worked with young people around helping them to express themselves more clearly and things like that. Um, and then another person was, I think they made something. I can't quite remember what that was early on. Um, but it was like more of like a production factory set, set up thing. Um, and so, but, but the focus for me and for most of them was around like efficiency and systems and processes and productivity and managing time because I'm, I've got a very kind of logical, rational mind around that stuff, which is hilarious for some people because they, if people know me, they're like, but you're so emotional. You're not logical and rational at all. And I'm like, yep, yeah, I am both. Um, and so it was, yeah, it was helping, helping them to see, like it was kind of me trying to see where there were opportunities for that to improve their processes um, and give them some suggestions for different ways of of trying stuff out and then they would kind of go and try stuff and then come back to me and go like, oh yeah, I struggled with this and I, yeah. So I'd share my experience as it related to me um, because I think a lot of the underlying principles were the same. So it didn't really matter that we were in different fields. Yeah, well, Katie, out of interest, you know, people listening to this might think, well, why would, how would I find a mentor or why would someone do it? What made you take on that role or reach out to give your time to, to other business people? That's a really good question. I don't really know. I, I know, well, um, actually I do, I think I do know. Um, Nicola Warwick, now Nicola Fisher, is someone I met. She used to work for the Business Growth Hub and she was there like mentoring coordinator or something I don't know if she listens to this podcast um she can correct me on the exact role um, but she basically worked to, to kind of support the mentoring service and match people up with mentors and support the whole mentoring scheme I met her at a networking event and she's awesome and I think she was talking about it and I just I guess I wasn't that far into my business at that time I was maybe a year or two in so it wasn't like I was an expert but I felt like I had enough knowledge from my previous roles and because I wasn't specifically advising people on being freelance which I didn't feel like I had a ton of experience to offer at that point but it was but I could draw on my previous experience to bring where I'd done a lot of stuff around systems and processes to bring that in Um, so it didn't matter that I was freelance a lot of the people I worked with were employed um, or run, run big companies and so, yeah, it just sounded really interesting and kind of a way to give back. And I'd informally, I'd done informal mentoring at my old company. So, um, cause I'd been there for the longest out of everybody. I was always the one that was sort of the mentor to new starters because I could give them all the kind of context about the company and, and, you know, say like, okay, this is how to 
you know, if you want this, if you want, if you want something doing, this is how to get it done. If you, you know, if you just kind of tips and advice, but then someone that they could come to when they were struggling, and then I could use my experience to, to suggest ways they could do it differently. And I'd always enjoyed that role. Yeah. And so then I think when I went freelance, I didn't really have that anymore. And so I think I just kind of, yeah, wanted that opportunity to, sounds really cheesy, but to kind of give something back and share that. I, I, I don't think I ever had a mentor when I was, you know, in, in any of my jobs or anything, but I, I kind of, yeah, I felt like there was some, there was some parts of, my knowledge that I wasn't necessarily using in my day-to-day work because I don't, you know, I don't massively focus on productivity and systems in the work that I do now because it's mainly website stuff, but it's something I'm just really interested in. And so I kind of wanted a bit of an outlet for that. Um, And I had the time as well. And so it just kind of made sense at the moment. And I've always volunteered. And so I think that was another thing was that I, you know, I, I really enjoy volunteering. We've done obviously an episode about that as well. And so it was wanting to do some kind of voluntary thing that was going to help other people. Um, I don't know if I'd do it now because I feel like at the moment I've got enough stuff that I do as a voluntary basis for my side projects. I don't know if I'd take on the, the responsibility of mentoring someone now, but I'd certainly, you know, I think I'd want to go back to doing it in the future. Um, what about you? I know you mentor people, don't you? Yeah, I do. Not in a business sense. I do it for a charity, but I really enjoy it. And I think, like you say, Kate, it's a, it's a subject close to my heart. It's um, I did it originally. I started mentoring people originally because I just moved to Manchester or I'd been there a couple of years. Didn't really know anyone. Travelled to the city centre, travelled back out again. Never really, apart from seeing my colleagues, I didn't get didn't feel part of a community or really part of the local area. So I started to look for a charity who would who would value my skills or need my skills, and that's what led me to it. So for me, it was a sense of community, like you say, that feeling of giving back, but but also to use my skills in a different context. So we, um, you know, we. I suppose yeah I developed but I also enjoyed it and uh, I think that just interesting to hear your reasons for doing it so if anyone out there is thinking I need a mentor if you heard Katie's reasoning there a lot of people feel that way so even if they're not officially a mentor in a mentor scheme they may be willing to help and you can normally tell if someone's willing to give or not and there are also various mentor schemes out there Uh, in my industry the CIPD uh, do a, a mentoring scheme um, Kate, you mentioned the Business Growth Hub. So check out if you're in an industry, if you have a trade body or something like that, maybe check out if they have a mentoring scheme you could apply for. Or you could just approach someone, but that'd be a whole different topic. Um, Kate, let's talk a little bit about how you would find a good, uh, well, I suppose, mentor or coach. I think this advice appears uh, sort of is for both, but we could focus uh, on coaching. Uh, different types of coaches I guess I mean Katie any tips from you uh, for finding a good coach how do you know what to look for do you think well yeah I guess when I, I fell on my feet a little bit because I'm landing on my feet whatever whatever the phrase is um because obviously I I knew you already and then didn't have to look very far so I think the first thing is just kind of look in your existing network and if there's somebody that sort of resonates with you then it then that could be a good place to start. So I think that's the first thing is find find somebody who they don't have to they don't have to kind of 
be very similar to you in terms of personality. In fact, sometimes it's probably good if they're a bit different. Um, I certainly think that's probably a good aspect of our coaching relationship, Michelle, is that we have very different temperaments um, and different kind of approaches to things. And so I think it's been really helpful. Um, and you, you're a very calming influence on me. Um, but I think someone that maybe shares some of your values and has maybe got experience of working with people who had similar problems or are in a similar situation to you. Um, like I mentioned earlier, one of the things that I think is was really important for me was that it wasn't somebody that was just going to look at the work stuff in isolation. I really liked that Michelle looked at how everything fits together with my life and my goals of what I want to achieve. And actually, you know, we, we talked about how work would fit in with me moving to Anglesey and things like that. And so it, it you know, and how work could help me to get there as well. Um, so I think for, if, if, you, if you already know what you want help with, get really clear on that first and then try and find someone that can, that has experience in helping you sort of in the way that you want to be helped. Um, but you might not know, of course, you might not know exactly what you need help with. So then I think asking for recommendations is always really useful. So again, if you if you know friends in similar situations, then you can ask them if they've used a coach. Um, and Michelle, I don't know if you offer a kind of initial, you know, free consultation or chat or anything, but I think maybe speak to a few people and see if you can kind of just get to know them a little bit first. You should be able to get a feel for kind of whether you're a good fit for yeah. each other. You should, yeah, definitely. I think that above all other things, I'd say that you, um, I do offer a free consultation and I think most coaches do. How long it is, will be, it will depend on the coach, but most people would be happy to have an initial uh, chat for you, probably even around up to an hour where you talk about the problem uh, or the challenge or the goal. And um, you may even get a lot of value from that conversation, but it is, is free and the idea of that conversation and, and is not to do a sales pitch. I think people are worried that if they pick up the phone and speak to a coach that they're going to get a sales pitch. Um, they will advocate their services, but it shouldn't be that that conversation should be very much about that person trying to understand you and what it is that you want or helping you identify what you want. And then they will probably explain how they would work with you. So what approach they would take and what, what steps they would take to understand the problem or challenge more and uh, the different ways they would go about helping. And so part of that is to understand what you would expect and whether that sounds something that'd be good to you. And you might not know what you're looking for, but um, the kind of things is, does that person understand your problem? So when you've talked about your problem, when you've talked about your goal, have they really understood it? And do you really get that sense they've they've that, that that's resonated that they've got it um you know really internalized it but also is there rapport is there chemistry a bit like dating really there needs to be chemistry as well as uh, as well as a good match on paper and of course does the style work and like katie says that doesn't have to be someone who's like you just has to be that you can you for someone you can feel you can talk to fairly easily and of course what you like is very down to the individual so sadly there is no one kind of coach that just suits everybody otherwise we'd all be that person and we'd all have lots and lots of clients uh from from any walk of life in reality um it's about it, you know, it is about the the style uh, and the chemistry um 
I also think there's different types of coaches too. So some people do specialize in marketing or personal branding or finances or, um, you know, strategy. So you might want someone who has a specific um, expertise or you may want someone to, as Casey says, um, sometimes we use the word life coach or transformation coach. Someone will actually work with you as a whole person, not just as a business owner. And of course that may suit you too. But if you don't know what the problem is, don't worry. A good coach will help you find the problem. So don't be afraid to pick up the phone and give a stream of consciousness. People have done that to me. And I think they're probably the most interesting, if I'm very honest with you. And that's actually a really good point. I think when you have that initial consultation or initial chat with somebody, I think how much they listen to you versus talk about themselves is always a good measure, I think, because if they're just spending the whole time talking about themselves and not listening to you, to me, that would be a red flag for me. Um, obviously they want to, you know, they need to t- impart information to you, but if you get a feeling like actually they made it more about them than about you, then I would say maybe move on to someone else. Um, yeah. That, that is a big, that is a big red flag. I think it happens sometimes because the coach is nervous they have imposter syndrome too imposter syndrome too so when talking to someone for the first time i get a little bit nervous but i'm experienced enough to know now it's not about me being liked or me talking about my qualifications and experience it should be about the other person and actually of course that's where the focus is so it's not necessarily the self-indulgent but they should make it about you and i think that's what i would look for personally and you said about coaching you know for specific purposes is it is it ever appropriate to have more than one coach for sort of different areas of your life? Um, it depends what you want them for. I think you can have more than one coach if you want to. You might have one that helps with the more holistic, like I say, or the more personal point of view. You might also have one that has uh, goes from a more technical perspective. Um, the other thing to consider, I mean, we haven't talked about, you know, is there coaching qualifications uh, and things like that but every coach has a different approach um and they have different skill sets so again the word coach or mentor they're very very broad terms so for example some coaches will have learned nlp neuro linguistic programming someone else might have done hypnotherapy someone else has done cbt someone else has done a formal coaching qualification but even those are very varied so each coach has a you know, there is no one coaching school or no one coaching qualification so you may choose to go to different ones to try a different approach to see if that approach or that style works better for you so I think it's fine to have more than one the only thing I would say is I would probably just try and focus on one course of action at a time it's not so I we do know I do know people who flip from coach to coach hoping that each one is going to be the answer to their problems whereas I just think if they committed to one course of action and really threw themselves into it they would probably get a lot further. So think about how much time you, and money you're willing to, to put in. That's that's really true because actually I know you've experienced this before, Michelle, where you've had people come to you and they just want the kind of magic bullet and they just want you to kind of fix the situation for them without wanting to actually put in the effort. And I think that's really important before you embark on coaching is to know that it's not just someone's going to wave a magic wand and all your problems are going to work, going to go away you're going to have to put in the work to get the results and so rather than yeah flitting from coaches to coaches you know make sure that you're giving it some time and, and just kind of be ready to put in some effort as well 
Yeah, it's, it's like it's a personal trainer analogy, isn't it? You wouldn't go to a personal trainer, pay them the money and go, right, make me fit. You'd have to turn up and actually sweat and jump and run and do press-ups and all that. And, and, and then you would get the results. And, and coaching is no different. You know, the coach will guide you and give you the exercises or activities and take you for a thought process. But you've actually got to do the heavy lifting. But I, I also find that um, consoling too, because the you know people something well how if i take this time or i take this money how do i know it's going to work and my answer to that would be it's going to work because you're going to make it work so if i sign up for a personal trainer to get me fit how will i know it's going to work well i know that regardless of the skills or knowledge of the personal trainer as long as i run i jump i sweat i do push-ups i do sit-ups as long as i do that activity I'm going to be further ahead than I was had I never committed to that course of action. So when you um, take on board an extra, an outside help um, and make that commitment to work with somebody one to one, what you're doing is you're investing in yourself. So when you put that time aside, when you put that money aside and more importantly, when you put that focus and that energy and say, right, I'm going to put my time, my focus, my money, my resources, my energy into addressing this thing that I really want, something changes inside of you and you make the commitment and that's where the magic happens. And this is what happened when I booked my coach the other day. I've been struggling on this on my own. But the minute I picked up the phone, rung her, said, yep, I'm going to send me an invoice. I'm going to pay you. That flicked a switch inside of me going, I feel so much better. I've committed to sorting this one way or the other. I'm going to get this fixed. And, you know, that's that's what happens. And Michelle, you mentioned qualifications earlier. Is that something that we should be looking for in a coach? Yeah, this is a massive question. It could be a whole different podcast. Um, I don't, there is no one body that, awards a coaching qualification um for all coaches so what you'll find is there's lots of qualifications out there i people are gonna would disagree with me on this i might make myself a pariah in some coaching circles i would suggest that qualifications isn't really the biggest thing you should be looking for you would hope that your coach has been on some coaching courses i'm from the corporate world and i know people have done loads and loads of coaching courses over the year years but they don't give you a certificate you can use outside the business so you might have a coach who's really experienced really good at what they've done they've been coaching people for years they don't have a qualification you might go have someone who's been on a course and they've got the paper but they don't really have the experience or they're not naturally that skilled so a coaching qualification might give you some more reassurance there isn't one i could tell you to look out for i personally would either i would say qualifications or experience I think one or the other is fine actually what I would probably suggest um, is that you focus a bit more on who is you know what what is this coach's background what kind of things they help with speak to them do you like the way that they work um, do you have some chemistry with that person do they get you and I would take it from there as a no amount of qualifications is probably going to tell you that. So I'd want the person to be competent, Katie, if that makes sense. <laughs> that that there's a number of ways. There's no one form way of measuring that. And I think just so whoever can help you with your situation is who you really feel can help you. That is the best way to look for it. That's the way I'd probably go about it. And that's what I did. The the, the lady who I who I'm doing coaching with, um, I know she's a coach. I couldn't tell you what qualifications she have, and I didn't even ask. I know that she's competent. I know that she's got experience. And I thought that her style and her personality suited me. And I trust her to, she's very insightful. I know that from having heard her speak and from talking to her. And I know that she's honest. 
and I know that she's professional and that was that it was that that sold me on working with her as opposed to you know looking at a cv if that makes sense yeah totally and so what other things should we consider when we're embarking on our coaching journey either after you've decided you want to work with a coach or when you're still thinking about which coach to work with yeah if you're looking for a coach or mentor I think there's a few things uh first of all whether we're working whether it is a coach or a mentor or something or some other kind of professional I would say try and get down on paper or get out somehow what it is you want help with but don't be deterred if you don't know what the problem is um just um don't be afraid to give a stream of consciousness someone should be able to help you that but have a vague notion of what what it is that you want I'd probably want to know what the coaches or mentors background is. So is it qualifications? Is it experience? I'd probably want to know who they've worked with before and what kind of um, challenges they help people uh, address. Um, Then probably just think of some more practical things as well. So do you want to meet face to face or over the phone? Is location important to you? Do you want an ongoing relationship or do you want a one off? Um, I would probably want to know their approach. So um, that would be good. I'd probably want to know, I'd probably be be prepared to tell the person how much challenge and honesty you can really handle and whether you want something a bit more technical or whether it's a bit something a bit more open and softer skills kind of thing as well. Um, and that they're, they're the probably main things I would probably look for to start off with, Katie. Well, what about you? You've probably got a list that you've looked for in the past as well. Uh, I only have eyes for you, Michelle. No, <laughs> I've you. never, stra- I've never strayed. Um, but you have actually worked with other professionals one to one. So, uh, for example, yeah, you've worked no, with I people have. with branding and things like that as well. So, what what drew you to them? I suppose. Uh, for yeah, for me, it's that it's the chemistry thing that you mentioned earlier. I think um, it's that kind of does how they phrase things resonate with me. That's a big part of it. So. Um, you know obviously like I know you you do your newsletter and you you're on social media and stuff and I think if you can find even just on the website it's like how they phrase how someone phrases something and if you if you're kind of reading some of the stuff that they're saying like you know you do your blog posts and everything when I read your blog posts it clarifies stuff for me or it makes me have like aha moments or it makes me think about things differently and I think not everybody does that and so for me, if I can find somebody that does, that, that can kind of, I'm, I'm very obstinate. So if I can find someone that can change my mind, I'm like, yeah, you're good. <laughs> yeah, the, the style should speak to you. So I think that's a really good, yeah, really good way of looking at it. Um, and then I think, yeah, just that, like, like you said, sort of even maybe doing it on a trial, you're starting off small, looking at maybe just one area or just doing a few sessions to see what works and you know that's what we did and then but then I could see very very quickly literally within the day the impact that it had on me um so then I was like right yeah I can see the value in this immediately and I want to carry on um but yeah I think for anything like that I'd probably want to do a you know to see if there's like an initial initial couple of sessions to do to give it enough time to work but without necessarily committing to something for a few years yeah 
This, yeah, absolutely. And if you're not happy, Katie, as well, of course, you you know you know it's not you're not committed. So people are normally quite happy if you to either do a free session or just to book in one session to begin with before booking a whole you know uh, course of sessions, depending on uh, whoever it is that you're working with. So even if it's like a mentor, you know you can you can have an, an initial session to see if you're both happy and and, and to see if it works. Um, I would I would give it time if someone's style is different to you or if they make you you know they challenge you and that makes you a little bit uncomfortable um or it's not the way you would approach the problem that's probably what you were looking for so i'd probably say go with it a bit i don't know how you feel about that katie i would say you know probably seek out people that do things a bit different but you don't have to continue if it really doesn't work for you that's it yeah give it time but don't flog a dead horse um and definitely someone that will that will challenge you but i think there's I think if you can find somebody that can challenge you in a way that doesn't just get you back up and make you really defensive, or even if you get defensive, they can sort of break through those barriers, then that's good. If it's somebody where the way they challenge you just doesn't work for you, then you're not going to get very far in that relationship. Yeah, you should never feel demeaned or you should never feel stupid or undervalued. You should, you know, you should go, oh, that was a, that was a, that was a tough question, but you shouldn't really be, you shouldn't feel come out of it feeling bad. Yeah. Yeah. And if, and if it isn't working out, then you'll probably, you'll probably know, after, you know, you'll probably know within a reasonable amount of time. Um, and I think you don't have to. I think you have to justify if you want to stop having the sessions at the, or even just take a break from the sessions. I don't think you have to justify that, you know, obviously if you've got something, a contractual obligation with them, then that's different. If you've you know, agreed to a certain number of sessions and agreed for payment for that. But beyond that, I think, I think and maybe this is a whole other episode of, you know, how, we've talked about in the past of how if if we want to get rid of clients or customers how we do that but actually what happens if we're the customer or the client how do we kind of exit that relationship gracefully and I think sometimes we feel bad and we don't want to sort of have that difficult conversation to say actually this isn't working for me but a good coach should understand and also they they probably have an inclination that it's not working either yeah yeah definitely and I and uh, you know I know from a personal point of view you know if it's coaching you will probably have a predetermined number of sessions you've agreed so it's probably best to see those through or even though if there were exceptional circumstances there it really wasn't working or it's a massive personality clash most coaches would come to an arrangement there if it's something like mentoring and it's not this ongoing relationship and it's not like a predetermined set you know number of sessions then um agree what your exit strategy is up front so when do we finish so when I mentor young people who are potentially homeless we mentor them back to the point of independent living so when they're independent we know that it's time to end the relationship but if again if you want to take a break you could just say to the person look I want to take a break thank you I'd like to stop there again you know there's probably a salesperson out there that tells me I'm doing it wrong but I, I don't generally chase clients to do more training I offer or say you know you know I can make the offer there or I say when you're ready um, and like you say Katie you can send newsletters or let people know you still exist um, or but I, pro- I definitely wouldn't do a, a sales pitch or try to convince someone to, to stay on if it wasn't helpful for them so don't feel that uh, don't feel bad about it we do feel bad about these things but there's no really no real need to feel that way I don't think and so at the end of each podcast we always like to finish with our 
uh, kind of top tips or takeaways around that particular subject. So Michelle, in terms of the problem of having to figure it all out yourself, what would be some of your top tips beyond just get a coach? Um, what would be your top tip for people to do? My, my top tip would be um, don't, don't struggle um, and don't feel you need to figure it all out yourself. So if you've been feeling like you've got something you want to tackle, but it's always on the back burner, you're procrastinating and you're getting sick of yourself a bit like I was, I would suggest uh, find somebody. So even if the first step is just to research to find out who could help you or to start to solve that problem, I would say, Katie, just get started in finding somebody. Resolve to, to, to get help whatever that looks like to you what about yourself i think it would be try and get clear on what you want help with or where you're stuck and because i know you said you know a good coach will help you kind of get clear on that but i think if you if i think even like you were saying just kind of naming it was actually really powerful and saying like yeah this is where i need help and this is where i'm stuck um i think that that would be my first step would be having an idea and you might find like I have in the coaching sessions that what you think you want help with gets dealt with really quickly and you end up talking about something completely different but I think in terms of just kind of yeah like moving it forward try and try and sort of start putting into words so one thing that I always do before I have a session with Michelle is I do a sort of big brain dump of all the things that I kind of on my mind or that I'm a bit stuck with and um, I normally send that about a week before our session and then that gives Michelle a bit of chance to reflect on it in advance and things like that um, and so then yeah just kind of take it from there really. Um, yeah it's, it's, it sounds like for both of us Katie there's a bit of a common theme there of uh, almost like your 12 steps there a bit you've got a problem and seek help. <laughs> Okay, guys, so if you want to keep up to date with 99 Problems but a Boss 8 Month, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. We are available on all good podcast services. If you'd like to get in touch, then we are, you can follow us on Twitter at 99ProblemsCast. And um, I'm out of steam there, but you should be able to edit that. And then I'll finish off by saying, but that's all for now. See you in our next episode. <laughs>